When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Because outside of YouTube, we're just making short films and no one was seeing them. YouTube gave us a platform to get that audience in the first place. To allow us to hone our craft the way that we were able yeah. to. This is Raka Raka, the monster filmmaking duo who made some of YouTube's most ambitious creative content. But they stopped. They've not posted in over a year. Why? We have some massive news. Our horror film Talk To Me got picked up. It's all we've ever worked towards, all we've ever wanted, and it came true, and it was a big moment for me. But why would anyone leave YouTube where you can make anything for Hollywood. We always wanted to be filmmakers, always wanted to be making films. We always wanted to make cinematic experiences that are like made for the theater. And that's exactly what they did with their movie, Talk To Me. Talk to me. became the talk of the town at Sundance. There all these directors reaching out to us. Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, Steven Spielberg. And a very prestigious distributor bought the film. And it became A24's biggest opening since Hereditary. And after all of that adventure, I had a conversation with the Racker Boys to discuss how they did that. The editing podcast is brought to you by Riverside. It is the best remote video recording tool for podcasts. You can find out more about them later. Do you guys remember when we first met? Yes. Hit me. We shot something for Logan's channel. Yes. Yes. There was two videos that we did actually. With the first one we edited by ourselves and the second one was much bigger and we needed help. We're like, give us your editor. And then Logan put us in touch with Hayden. The first one was the third verse. What are you doing, bro? Shailen's going to need your Hold up. This is kind of f***ed up, man. I just, I want to grab the third verse, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. And you guys had that whole big fight scene, and I remember getting now on my uh, inbox. <laughs> so I'm like, what the f is this? This is fantastic. <laughs> and then, of course, the second one was then once you guys were stolen the third verse, and you guys were doing a plate montage fight sequence. Yes, yes. Because of course, Logan at the time, his inside joke was smashing plates every vlog. Screw it, let's just smash a million plates. Oh, I've got a little uh, bone to pick of you on that edit. I, you know what, I feel the same thing. Yes, I am so sorry, I ruined it. Do you know what was? I think just the fact I added all those Scott Pilgrim sound effects. On yeah! This yes! <laughs> 
liked about that though is that you took the initiative to do it. Yeah. And like people take initiative is so amazing. What was like uh not bad about it, but like just because like the turnaround's so impossibly quick that we couldn't have that open conversation about it. I remember like watching that the next day and I was like, I had like an Oppenheimer moment. I was like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> but that's all of the fun YouTube stuff. And that's all of our history. But also the other history of YouTube you guys is also your channel Raka Raka. Yes. And also I think your most famous video is the Marvel versus DC fight. Uh, yes, yes. It was our first time that we had a budget. It was the first time that we directed a crew properly. Because uh, all of the YouTube stuff up until a million subscribers, we didn't want to even uh, monetize. And then when we hit a million subscribers, we did. We were starting to get a bit of money in and we we're starting to really expand the channel. We started to work with different, like our VFX artist, Jack James Troy. We started working with him. We started working with our makeup artist. And then Marvel vs. DC was the first time we got to build sets. We got to do wire work. Off of Marvel vs. DC, uh, we met our makeup artist, Beck Barato. She did an awesome job on that. She was down to work with us for free and keep helping us out. So she did the Mortal Kombat fatalities. We kept working with her over the years. And then we got her as a head of department on Talk to me. Also, so even the connections you were making during your journey like brought you into having them onto your movie as well. Yes. Yeah, 100%. We've been working with her for years. We love her so much. We know she can do it. And so she did and designed all the actual possession makeup of Talk To Me, yeah. I think that's a really good testament as to, I think, how infectious your content is. Even when I was first watching that video and even all of the other videos in your library, there was something special about it. Like, this was, oh, this is what YouTube can be. People being thrown through walls, the wire work, and I was like, wait, you can do that on YouTube? You got a crane and threw a car? Yeah. And then I dropped a car, and it's like... On our front yard. Yeah, but I think it was like that quality that you guys were bringing at that time. And I think that was like 2015, 2014 YouTube. It was like, oh shit, this is something special. And I think that was really, really infectious. You guys have been like, I say, yeah, YouTube creators, you start off building up your experience there. We've happened to have crossed our paths here and there. And then I don't really hear from you for a couple of years. And then the next thing I knew, you guys have made an A24 movie. <laughs> What the fuck happened? How did this happen? Well, like, I, I know, like, around 2017, 2018, I was sort of, like, knowing that I was ready to do a film and wanting to write a film. And it felt like a bit of a distance from our audience. to feel like I could express myself really personally on there. So I uh, just started writing. And then that Talk To was the first proper script that we finished. And it had the most momentum. Literally, we just, like, paused YouTube and, like, really, really focused on getting that made and getting it done. Our poor audience, like, they're used to us just disappearing for months at a time. But mm. that's, we disappeared for 18 months when we were in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't originally with A24. It was just independent. We just yeah, make it independent, and then it got picked up. Out. Well, it was gonna be with it was gonna be with a mainstream, like with a studio. But then they started giving us script notes. Oh no! And so turn it really typical. Oh my god, yeah, those script notes were like, I'm like, oh, this is steering us in a weird direction. Like turn it to like everything ever, you know? And it was weird because we told everyone it's guaranteed theatrical, it's gonna be this big budget, and then we said, I just remember not now, telling anyone this. Is that we you? did? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, well, now it's not theatrical, and it's not a big budget, and we're gonna shoot it in Adelaide. Which <laughs> <laughs> was, was still pretty. It was like, yeah, it was a small budget. It wasn't guaranteed theatrical but there was like a thing we edited together called a promo reel which was like a three and a half cut of like a trailer of the movie they took it to Khan's film marker and our producer says you know it's just a promo reel don't expect to sell that many territories or whatever and then when she came back she said we've pre-sold 80% of the world I remember sort of that moment when you did go to Khan's and I, I saw it in a video where you did a screening and it kind of looked like immediately afterwards I think whoever that was says a24 just bought your movie. Yeah, that was at Sundance. That was, that was later. at Sundance. Yeah, okay. That was our producer, Sam. Yeah. yeah. So this was recorded in our studio. And we also record podcasts remotely. And we're able to get that 4K crispy video 
with Riverside. If you're not using Riverside for all of your virtual meetings, you're making a big mistake. I've even been using it for consultations. As soon as we're done, I get to send them the entire recording. And not to mention the recording quality is freaking it's good, which is why we like to use it for podcasting. And we love it because it records each audio and video track separately so that editing is such a breeze when we get into post. Which means our editor can get started on cutting it almost immediately. And even if you or your guest has absolute garbage internet, it doesn't matter. Because remember that one time when we were in the hotel room? I mean, the call kept on jostling. I thought we lost it, but because Riverside records locally and then uploads, the call was perfect. And it's easy for the guests. They don't need to install anything. You just send them the link and you can start recording. It even says like, roll out the red carpet. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it makes it, me feel special. It makes me feel so special. Riverside can also auto transcribe your recording and use its text-based editing tool to edit it right there. If you're podcasting, creating video content, or recording online calls, then sign up to riverside.fm for free and use code EDITINGPODCAST for 20% off. And you can find that link in the description and we'll see you back in the interview. One of the things I've been doing is trying to verbalize editing. I found that as well where it's like, hey, can you explain this edit? No, but you just know that's right. But I still do think that's a fun game for us to play. So I do actually want to show a scene and I actually want to see you guys. Can you explain the editing choices into making this sequence? Oh, work? okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Can I have a go? <laughs> Sorry. After that, <laughs> just get your thought dog out and no cameras. Okay, so for this sequence, this was our final day in this set and we had two hours left to get 50 setups. Oh my God. And our first AD said to us, it's mathematically impossible to get this many shots. And then we're like, yeah, let us let us control the set. Yeah. Just let us control the set for these two hours. We had two cameras, a boom box, and then we just like, and like we're like ordering everyone, everyone like, get the gym in, get the gym in, actors over here, don't know, you're the makeup. We're, and we're playing music and we're just like riffing with the actors and then like going through these shots. You There's know? like a, a really extreme chaotic energy in the air and then the camera's just flying around. Like, this is the time on set that it felt like a racket shoot. <laughs> it felt like capturing the chaos. Oh, that, even that. We knew we wanted to have uh, a montage scene to show the allure of the hand, why the kids are having fun doing it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I like to describe it as the actors that are conductors of the music. Yeah, Chris just dancing and then doing the do 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 like uh, with his arm as well to like the music clapping his hand. Like that's stuff that we, so we played the music. We did it two or three times. 
Yeah, those claps being the transition points. Like, I always love editing on those moments, even like on a door shutting and then cutting to someone else as that door and that letting that sound effect carry over. Like, just yeah. smooths the transition. Even movements. Movements can go with the, with the movement of the music. And I was listening to hundreds of songs trying to find the right one. And then I came across that. Edith Piaf remix. It's like old and new. So it's like, just like the kids are like a current generation using an ancient relic. Mm. The music was like a modern remix of an old song. So it's like, it kind of, it made sense. When I found it, I was like, oh, this is the perfect vibe. Yes. And, and, and the song wasn't picked in post. Like this song was playing on set. Like we always knew that this song was going to be the one. Because there's even a, a scene later on where a character starts singing along to the song. That's because like we had that, yeah, had it picked and we like mapped out what was going to happen in the sequence. The build up on this moment, I fucking love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that yeah, hand composer move. Like he feels like he's like yeah, controlling the song. And then also uh, Emma, who's really great with the sound design, really lets, make, helps those bits like that, that we want to have impact, really have impact with the... And then also the biggest shout out to our focus puller as well, Charlie in the scene, because the camera was flying around so much and we'll just scream in direction. And like usually you have to like plot out. He was going with the flow and he kept it all in focus somehow all oh, the way through the sequence. Oh, that's a skill and a half. Even the drumming, even the drumming. It's the drumming song. even when, when, when Haley's it's like playing the piano. You know, it's just little tiny things like that. And it's instinctual. I don't know, it's instinctual when you're editing it. Like you're looking through all the, the B-roll and I just cut like little moments from like, like little nuggets of gold, you know? Sometimes when we do Raka Raka, we do like the fight scene. <laughs> Then we do like a riff where everyone will just make stuff up. And there'd be little bits that you can use in there and like little just flashes. insert into the fight scene. Yeah. It's the same with this stuff. You got two cameras and then you're just like scanning through the footage and seeing just little moments. Like Sophie there, looking inside and clicking that yeah. tiny bit. And then you're just like, oh, okay, you cut that. And then it's like a puzzle, putting it where, where does this make sense? Yeah, where you does grab it... all those moments, you put them in a side thing and then you start like putting it to the movie and you start trying to put it, put it together. Like, a, yeah. yeah. The music of this is motivating a lot of these cuts. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, hey, like we need like this beat and now I got these shots and I need to make sure that these uh, shots are like responding to the, the timing of this music. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I've got this shot here and I've got this shot here and I've got a little gap. Okay, let me go through. Oh, that's a great moment. Let me put that in. And there we go. Like it responds to each other so much yeah, more. Yeah, it was like, it's like music video editing. This truly is a genuine music video edit, but motivated narratively. Yeah. And I think it is grabbing all of those scenes, all of those, all those shots, making it cohesive and not random. Like this could have been very easy just become like a random montage. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're picking up the river, the pace. Great little moments as well. It was funny. I remember showing this cut to uh, the co-writer, Bill Hinsman. He's like, it's really horny. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Joss is like using it as a dick, you know. The, the whole intent of the scene is putting us in a really great false sense of security. This thing is a toy for them. Yeah. And then yeah. making sure throwing in those cuts, like they're not taking this seriously. Yeah, and yeah. I like that. Oh. She's blowing the music out. Yeah. They're blowing the music out. Yeah. You know? It's all through like movement. It's just movement. 
I like that because it's like, again, since they're not taking it that seriously, that beat told me like they're in danger. It's like like the seriousness just creeps in just a little bit more there. And it kind of made this whole thing like, yeah, this is fun, but it's just something's wrong here. Yeah. Like, and then building up to this moment here of Sophie singing, which was literally, she came to set learning how to sing in French and then did that without, like, we we're going to get a singer to like dub over her voice. But her performance in this was just like, what the fuck? It was perfect. <laughs> What I love about this, you really focus on that mobile. Oh, yeah, God damn it. Just the timing of this is so fucking great. It's fast cuts, fast cuts, and like, and I really fun. And then it kind of breaks. Yeah. And then it's fun that we're seeing, like, we're fun that she's like singing French, but the fact that cuts slow down a little bit still emphasizes is like, they're kind of out of their depth. It's like, this thing is extremely powerful. It's making someone who doesn't know French suddenly start singing French. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much fun to film. The timing of the dog. Brilliant. Again, like, did you experiment on when to time, when to cut back to the dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then tying it to his bark as well. God damn it. Yeah. That's a great cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, it's motivating that. And look at that. That was a rig that we attached to the chair. So it was like, Otis is sitting in a chair. He's on like a rig that's it's like tied to this, like a seesaw that we yeah. that we created and the camera's attached. So, and the stunt guys are like controlling it so he can move with with, with Otis. And, and you can't build, you can't buy that sort of stuff. So you have to build that specifically for those shots. But like having those little moments, even if they're for a, like a second or two, if you do something that's got, you put a lot of effort into it mm -hmm. and you don't show it off and it's only there for like a second or two, for me, when I see that in films, I respect it so much more because it's not like, oh, look what we look how much effort with this, and then like that's put on screen. It's like just having it for like a little, fr like a little tiny moment like that. Yeah, it just makes it. Uh, to me, I always respect films that just do they do they put a lot of effort to something that's not on screen. It, for it makes long. the film feel so much bigger. Hello, cheeky segue. There's a few products we would like to share with you. So take a look. Did you know that running a YouTube channel is really hard? We didn't. We've been podcasting for almost a year now and it's like a startup life. And Creative Juice understands that making a creative business is messy and confusing. And they found ways to make it as easy as possible with Juice Club. It's the ultimate members only community for creators like you and Hayden and I. Hello. Looking to level up their business. And here's all the perks that they will give you. Creator community, monthly ad sets advances, unlimited bookkeeping growth tools, and beta brand boosts too. As the creator economy continues to boom, most creators end up feeling isolated. I mean, literally, me and Jordan are in two completely different buildings and we're working together. Like, I haven't seen them in weeks. I miss you, bro. I miss you too, man. We need to hang out more. We're doing a podcast. Hey, I miss you so much. Community and resources can be the difference between a creator burnout or growth. You deserve financial tools and resources catered to your needs. So if you want to join the Juice Club, hit the link in the description and we'll see you in there. Do you like this music? It makes footage like this feel gorgeous to watch and feel. And it's easy to put in your videos with Track Club. It's a sound library that's disciplined and not bloating itself with hundreds of thousands of tracks, but it only keeps the great ones that can complement your footage to feel like this. We even use Track Club with our Pixar intro. The music's so good, it works with Pixar. I can even download the stems, throw them in a multicam, and just start with the pianos, and then slowly bring in each instrument myself. I have total control of how I want the music to play in my content. 
And if you want to keep it simple, you can even do it with Mixlab. If you want your content to feel as good as this, go ahead and hit the link in the description to get your free month of Track Club now. I've sort of always seen YouTube as the end game. Uh, like if you wanted to be a filmmaker, YouTube's sort of your best distributor. If you can then make kind of whatever you want, there's not really that much of a studio involved. And then you kind of have that sort of total flexibility. But then kind of you guys sort of decided to move on from YouTube and actually you gave yourselves permission to think bigger. And you guys went, actually, you know what? Yeah, we can get A24 to distribute our movie. We can get uh, quite a few million dollars today for be making our movie. You thought bigger that I actually didn't really think was possible. That was always our end game. It was never YouTube. So we had the opposite. Like we always wanted to be filmmakers, always wanted to be making films. And where it differentiates from me, like I know that like people have like big budgets and like Mr. Beast has a studio and stuff like that. But like we always wanted to make cinematic experiences that are like made for the theater that didn't have to rely on YouTube algorithm and watch time. And people aren't going to be quitting in and out. It's like you go into that movie, you're sitting down for that entire experience and you're going to have an experience. I just knew that that was always our end goal was like create like big communal uh, cinema experiences and what's, that's what we want to do for the rest of our it's, lives it's interesting because yeah. it's the opposite right like kids nowadays it's like everyone wants to be a YouTuber Yeah. whereas we were the opposite like we were well, YouTube the generation before yeah with the generation before like we didn't want to be YouTubers we wanted to be filmmakers and then YouTube was just a way to create and like get exposure and like and, and we really got sucked into the vortex of YouTube for years you know mm -hmm. and we were writing but the YouTube stuff was happening like it, the YouTube stuff was so quick and like you get that instant uh, what's it called gratification the, yeah gratification. gratification of like uploading comments growth so we didn't really have time to properly focus on the writing but then when the algorithm changed and you know things were changing we're like are we going to forever be doing this or let's go back to what we were originally started for I think that was one of the issues you guys were having where the content you were making was violent yeah it was very aggressive as well and I think YouTube kind of said, we don't want this content. I've got no resentment at all. And like that was that thing where we knew we always wanted to get into film and that was like that little push. This was always our main goal. So like whatever that YouTube stuff in the past is completely fine. Like we know this is exactly where we want to be. So it was, no it was, complaints. Yeah, it was kind of good to be kind of get that, kind of get forced pivot, you know? That's a really like mature way of looking at it. Because I can imagine at the time, it's like your video is getting like demonetized, you're not making money, you're spending all this money, you're making it. And I can imagine the frustrations. And I can imagine at one point, like, well, what's the point of doing this? Yeah, yeah. But actually from this like new perspective, it's like, if you're not really going to distribute this, we're going to do this our own way this is kind of like that stepping stone moment for you and I think so in a way it was a bit of a blessing in disguise yeah, yeah it, it was uh, even to begin with they gave us the platform YouTube gave us a platform to get that audience in the first place to allow us to hone our craft the way that we were able yeah. to because outside of YouTube we're just making short films and no one was seeing them yeah so like there's, I've got no complaints like I feel so yeah, yeah. YouTube, YouTube at the beginning was like very embracing because we were doing things that weren't really being done on YouTube so they like that but then you know at the end of the day like it was good to be like okay let's focus on the film stuff yeah now. yeah, yeah. And, and but there's this weird stigma around being a youtuber that you, that you like from the media and or whoever that you kind of like in a way believe yourself oh we are just youtubers and it's like <laughs> even like we spoke to george miller and he said and this was a few years ago he's like if i had the platform of youtube i'd be uploading to that because it's a way to get seen internationally straight away but, uh, there's a reason why is because like companies approach the youtubers that don't really want to be filmmakers and like force a movie on them or force them to be in a movie and it's not their passion it feels like a corporate money grab and it feels like there's a disconnect so it's not yeah. like that's what feels like a youtube movie where there are like talented uh, YouTubers that want to be filmmakers that I think definitely can make that crossover. Well, even you, you your stuff. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's like your style is like, we uh, appreciate it so much because it's like, you can see the talent. Mm. Yeah. You can see the talent and the passion that's like, you can see that you're always into it, which yeah. is amazing. And like, 
it, you can make that switch. It's like it's it's a thing that we put in our minds, like oh, we can't make, we're not we're not good enough, we're not you know whatever. But it's like it's just not true, you know. I, I really appreciate that guy. Thank you so much. But I think you're right. There is like this sort of stigma that if you're a YouTuber, you can't be a filmmaker. But I think like the the opposite is true. How to, to develop being a great filmmaker, you should also be a YouTuber. Use the opportunity to make as many films as you can, like not just content or algorithmic content, like whatever you think is best for you and the yeah. craft that you want. And that's exactly what you guys did. You then were able to give yourself so much more experience and you were the gatekeepers. Like you were able to do this yourself. And then what that then meant is, is that your first film was honestly pretty fucking solid. <laughs> like, like we've all seen like filmmakers first ever films and it's like, you can tell it was a bit rough around the edges and have an experience. Like this movie, this kind of felt like your 10th movie basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. You, it's like every video, it's like a game and you're like leveling up experience yeah. and you go through all these issues even when you try to do something and it completely doesn't work. The next time you go to do something similar, you take that experience to the next one, you know? And we always learnt from every video that we did, even pre-YouTube, to just like, you just like get better and get better and get better. And do you, do you reckon you'd want to make a film? Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. That's the next thing I want to be doing. I think uh, it's just, it is for me, that's again, the main reason why I started this podcast. Most knows pretty well YouTube editing and now I'm wanting to relearn everything. Uh, everything else, so I have that new perspective. I did start YouTube because I made my own films and I put them online and then I've enjoyed this life path that I've had, but now I'm kind of beginning to realign myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like going back to the main reason why I started posting. I made... Films of my friends happened to put them on YouTube. Those videos uh, got views. That momentum started. But now, yes, I think bottom line, yeah, my main thing is I still want to make films. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I also love that what you've built here because I have a friend that's a YouTuber and his editor is like in awe of you. Like yes. the YouTuber was literally like for like my editor's birthday, could you get maybe a Zoom call with Hayden? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Like uh, I was watching some of your videos and I was like, you're explaining things that we're doing and don't even know what we're doing and like putting a phrase in it and making it accessible. One of the biggest takeaways I got from this movie is of course, like the hand. The way all of the characters are motivated around it. And one of the things that I think became really important that kind of catered towards all those characters was I'd say the theme of connection. They're all kind of looking for something to connect to while also disconnecting because they're like, they're filming everything on their phone. So disconnecting from the present as well. That seems to be a kind of through line between this whole film. And so like how important was the theme of connection in this. Well, there's so many different themes that we're talking about in the movie and we like that. Like there's so many things that open up to interpretation. But yeah, connection and hands and human connection was a, a massive thing and it like tied into like the genesis of making the hand the haunted object. But there are so many things that we're talking about. Well, and even that it's big... reaching out and, yeah. the, and the phrases that you say. Yeah. It, it's yeah. all tied into that. The yeah. connection is huge in it. I get that. I think it is uh, reaching out. We're wanting that emotional connection and uh, yeah, it is kind of back to that human touch as well. All of those friends, they're, like they're all friends but there is an element of disconnect towards it yeah they're forcing this connection with a dead thing in the film and it's sort of like Mia is like she needs a natural connection in her life to help her fix the things that are harming her emotionally I think when anyone's in like a, a state of depression or they're going through like a really big hole like opening yourself up and like opening your bedroom door and like connecting with someone is a way to pull yourself out of that like they help pull you out of that that state and then sometimes like when you're in that really dark space that you grab onto hold onto things that are bad for you yeah like vices mm -hmm. and like whether it's drugs alcohol or sex like you're letting those things into your life and into your body and you're using those as a bridge 
or like as a, as a fix, like a temporary fix, and that's not like a, a way to really solve those emotional issues. That's a terrible way to do it. You can see from the beginning, like uh, Mia can be making different choices mm. with with connection, embracing a genuine connection. As yeah. opposed to connection is definitely very prevalent. Depression can make you do self destructive behaviors yeah. or reaching out to the wrong places. Yeah, and then also the opportunity for the people that you can connect to, the people that you should reach out to, are right there in front of you, but you're simply blind to them because of this depression. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're rejecting those natural connections and you're like forcing these other ones and uh yes guys thank you so much for talking to me what the fuck huh. i guess i should go see talk to me mito san odan en los controles dímelo pata